there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Yes, indeed. Another Saturday, another episode of Hi-Fi Radio. Your host, Wolfgang Klein, in the house. Jack Hartle, my wingman. And, uh, well, we got a... Yet again, another exciting show lined up for you. Uh, the pot craze, the reefer madness is mad. And uh, we're going to have Bruce Linton on at the end of the show. A uh, lot to talk about. Uh, Tilray up what uh, hundreds of percent uh, Canopy River, uh, a spinoff from um, uh, Canopy Growth, uh, is now trading. So Bruce is going to talk to us about that. And, oh boy, if you smoke pot and you want to go to America, better be careful. I'm going to talk to Bruce about that as well. He travels the world and doesn't seem to have too much difficulty getting across the border. Uh, Nike, uh, big story there with its new marketing and television ad. Uh, Kaepernick, of course, front and center. Um, so I actually expected more of the ad to be around him. They actually integrated a lot of different athletes and a lot of different uh, uh, people in the spot. And he's paid $40 million bucks for that gig, eh, Jack? Don't ask for a raise. You ain't getting one, okay? <laughs> well, uh, he's, not, he's not getting it from the, the NFL, that's for sure. Hey, so, sales, you know sales went up, man. It, it, it worked. I guess they're going to yeah. return on investment. And Absolutely. That's what, that's what the show's all about, isn't it, Jack? Making yeah, they just money. refreshed their brand is what they did. And speaking of brand refresh, the founder of Freedom, I like that name, um, Rachel Why Not. That's right, Why Not. That's her last name. She's now married. And she, well, uh, took her, her man's name, Rachel Why Not. Uh, what, was your, what was your maiden name? Bowman. Bowman. <laughs> Rachel Bowman hyphen Why Not. See, that doesn't work. No. I'm all in. Rachel no. Why Not. I all like in. That. I like that. Um, so she's the founder of The Founder Freedom. Uh, we've had her on Hi-Fi Radio about a year ago, uh, where she is the co-founder of Iris Blue. Uh, the Founder Freedom is a business, I understand, that basically helps uh, uh, young entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of, of, of any caliber and magnitude uh, spend uh, more time chilling and uh, equal amount of time making money online, correct? Exactly. So, so, so tell us about this, Iris, uh, your, your new idea. What's it all about? Where did it come from? And Ooh. how can it uh, make some of our uh, entrepreneurial clients, i.e. listeners, to Hi-Fi Radio money? Yeah, that's a great question. I love this. Um, so Founder Freedom, it was born from essentially an idea that I had of combining business and marketing strategy with feel-good practices for the body, mind, and soul. As you guys know, I founded a business about eight years ago, um, Iris Blue, built it up to multi-seven figures. Um, and as we're building up our business as founders, as entrepreneurs, you know, obviously we have a lot of hurdles and struggles, and I personally broke down at one point. Um, so I wanted to figure out a way to include. Sorry, sorry, life. I want to interrupt. You broke down. Through I broke down mentally, to be honest. You know, and the the struggles, the the stresses of building a business really takes a toll on uh, a lot many, of entrepreneurs. When you launching it, how many hours a week were you working? Oh my gosh, like eighty. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. probably about eight hours a week. So, because oh, yeah. my sense is this business is all about working less and yet still having Correct. your cash flow, living on your terms. Correct. I so, like our that. tagline is live and work freely. So, we combine business and marketing strategies to save time and money while building your business. And then we also infuse lifestyle practices. So, like mindset um, practices and yoga and just feel good practices for the body, mind, and soul. When you combine those two things as an entrepreneur, you will find amazing, amazing success. And that really helped me in growing my business, to be honest. How, how did you find success through that? Um, again, I think it all starts with the mindset, right? Like, we need to make sure that we are focused on, you know, our business goals and our, I, I call it the, the three things I like to focus in business are people, 
course, number one, building relationships. I focus on my passion of the business. So any entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, focus on that one passion and that one drive to success. And of course, profits, right? We need to make money in our business to be able to help more people, to be able to grow it further, etc. So with these feel-good mindset lifestyle practices, you can really just make sure you're healthy and keep Keep that eye on the prize. Is what uh, I like that. Keep your eye on the prize. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a phrase I picked up in the 80s. So it's, it's, it's still relevant today. But a Founder Freedom, uh, an online coaching platform for entrepreneurs who want to become freedompreneurs. Yes. Uh, Jack and I are focused today on Potphoria, a different, uh, different new word. But, uh, I like soothing words like Dr. Seuss. He used to make up words. It's called soothing. Yeah. Um, so freedompreneurs so you can live and work freely. So what's the deal? Is this an online uh, coaching pro- pro- program, or do people uh, entrepreneurs hire you directly, and you spend Correct. time you spend time with them face to face, nose to nose, toes to toes? So great question. So there's two kind of prongs. So I work. I have online courses, information products, and this is what I teach my entrepreneurs as well. I build. What, what I built myself is passive income streams, okay? So what number one seller online right now is information products. It is huge. People want to learn. People will buy a course. People will buy a downloadable document just to learn information, right? Whether it's a small price point, a high, medium price point, a high price point, that is selling like hotcakes online, no, no, right? No, knowledge is power, no doubt. Yeah, of course. Um, so those are my what I call passive income streams um, because it doesn't take my time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could be laying on a beach. I could be, like I say, living freely while my, my phone's going off clinging with money coming in. Right. Do, do you help then, these entrepreneurs create the content that is, is I do. the passive? Everything. Income? I have a whole program from start to finish. Even entrepreneurs that want to build a side hustle, which is very common these days. Or I have entrepreneurs that, you know, are ready to take the leap out of their, you know, nine to five and start their dream business. Or I get entrepreneurs that maybe start a business, it's going well, or maybe they're a service entrepreneur where they're trading their time for money, right? And they want to build passive online income streams, and they want to figure out a new way to build an online brand and an online business. Well, you know, uh, Rachel, this is very timely that you're in because uh, yeah. we're going to be talking about, uh, we're with Camilla Lyon, he, he, he's our analyst who covers Nike, but after that, it's going to be Bruce Linton. Uh, he is an entrepreneur extraordinaire, but we're going to do what we do in terrestrial radio, and we run a few spots uh, that they support. Uh, uh, you know, the, the the ability to broadcast. And so please support our sponsors as they support us. Uh, and guess what? People want information. Jack and I are giving it to them sort of for free. Just a little bit of time listening to some spots. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio will be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, Good. Stay that way. Because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world. Be the fastest ever. I like that. Be the fastest ever, Jack. Hey. I think Tilray. I think Tilray was the fastest moving stock I have ever seen. Uh, so good for Tilray. Yeah, both directions, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the um, new Nike television commercial uh, featuring Colin Kaepernick uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. He formerly t- from the San Francisco formerly, yes, 49ers. He's, he's out of a job, sort of. Uh, well, it seems like he picked up a new gig. Forty million. Forty million dollars. Uh, a little narration and a little. Uh, 
video uh, exposure and 40 mil ski for that puppy. Sales went up apparently um, after the ad ran online, up some 60%. Is it now we got uh, we got Camilla Lyon. He's an analyst uh, with Canaccord Genuity. He covers some of those amazing brands, Nike, Canada Goose, Lululemon. Uh, but uh, I begged and pleaded to get uh, Camilla on Hi-Fi Radio, and he graciously accepted the invitation. Uh, knows the story very, very well. So, Camilla, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Sure, happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's talk about Nike. Um, this the stock was really out of favor for a few years, and uh, it was Adidas all... was the one that was really taking market share. Well, pre- un- Under Armour. Yep. And then they lost the race to Adidas. Uh, Adidas, by the way, it's not Adidas; it's Adidas. Right. Um, it is indeed. And now Nike seems to be making a fantastic resurgence, right, with with Vans beside it when it comes to shoes. Uh, but let, let's talk about this television commercial. Massive controversy around it. Um, you know, Jack and I both have marketing backgrounds, and when Jack first saw the ad, he said to me, he said, Wolf, I like this one. It's going to work, but it's going to piss off a lot of people. And I said, you know something? Some of the most powerful advertising is such that a fellow named Roy Williams taught me, the price of clarity is the risk of insult. And as a business person, you have to know and accept that not everyone's going to like what you do. And if, if you want to stand out, stand out big. And you may offend those who don't like what you do, but they're not going to like you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Speak directly to your consumer, and you will win. I think Nike's won with this one, uh, uh, Camilla. What do you think? In a word, it was genius. <laughs> um, I think that they incited conversation across the whole spectrum of uh, politics, business, consumers they spoke to their consumer they showed what they are uh what side they are standing on and that side of inclusivity um and freedom of speech um as you know in the u.s there's a lot of divisiveness going on uh and nike really took a stand and that's something that corporate america has been shy to do um one could interpret this as a stand against the administration i don't need to go there i'll let nike do that but by and large, this was a very calculated move that I think has far exceeded the expectations by the Nike management team. I think Donald Trump actually, as soon as the ad hit, uh, said it's not going to work. Uh, There's going to be so much backlash against the company. Uh, I, I think he was just shy of calling, calling it foolish. Um, Nike's one of the few brands, the few uh, global power brands out there that could pull this off, and they've done it exceptionally well. It's, it's unbelievable what they've done in the last couple weeks because I think they actually sponsor the NFL too, don't they, uh, Camilla? They do, and I got a lot of questions with respect to that relationship and if this was going to uh, mar that relationship or create you know, some sort of data around it. And, and my immediate response is absolutely not. If anything, this is a clear indication that Nike is in the pole position. They are in the driver's seat, and they are the ones who are dictating the terms. And if you know anything about how these uh, larger deals are structured with uh, the leagues, the major sporting leagues, Adidas came off of their contract. Um, that's what Nike picked up when Adidas did not renew. So if you think about the alternatives, if for some reason Nike said, or the NFL said that they didn't want to pursue this deal with Nike anymore, who is left to actually take it? Adidas doesn't want any part of it. Yep. And Under Armour doesn't have a balance sheet. So in reality, and this is exactly what's happened, um, I thought that the NFL would have remained very, very quiet around this, and that's exactly what's happened. Because it is, this is Nike flexing their muscle in all aspects of their business. 
Good for them. Um, so Nike has sold out 61% more merchandise since the, since the controversial ad campaign with the former player Colin Kaepernick uh, appeared early in the month. Uh, what does that mean, 61% increase in merchandise? In other words, what's the dollar value of increase? I just want to put that up against the $40 million uh, purchase for the, cele- for, the, for the celebrity endorsement. Well, you know, let's, uh, they report next week, so um, we'll get some clarity on it as to exactly what the benefit was. Um, now, granted, this was uh, in their September quarter, so it won't show up in their printed results mm-hmm. next week. Yep. But I'm sure they'll talk about it. Um, the, the thing that we did that I think is, is more relevant is what did it do to its current customer base as well as those who are not customers? And we ran, we published the results from our survey um, speaking to the reactions of consumers as, as it relates to this ad. And I think one of the key learnings from our survey was those who were not shoppers of the Nike brand, 34% of those non-Nike shoppers said that they would be extremely likely to purchase a Nike product after seeing the ad. So that points to market share gains, bringing new people into the brand. That, I think, is the power of what this has done. Um, but maybe not surprisingly, those who were supportive of the ad became even more supportive of the brand, uh, and uh, by a factor of two to one relative to those who did not support the the ad. You know, I don't uh, know if people can truly appreciate what you're saying right now, because uh, my children, of course, are that just that they're children. And guess what affects children's purchase behavior? Peer pressure, extraordinaire. Peer pressure is massive. Now, the, the primary demo demographic, the target audience for Nike product, is it 18 to 34 or 12 to 34? Is that the key demo? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so the twelve to twenty-four year olds are, are massively influential and, and uh, uh, influenced by peer pressure. So to 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 sell to say that the the thirty-five percent um, people would, would would recommend the product, I think that that's big, big, big. This is a big number. This is again, this is for one spot with a highly controversial um, character um, within the construct of what's going on in this this country. So they were. Uh, like you guys said earlier, no one else could have done this the way that Nike did, and this is exactly fits to their knitting. And incidentally, we upgraded the stock to a buy about a week before this. Oh, good for you. So um, not only do the fundamentals start to look much better as we go out over the next few quarters and into next year, but this all just gives the brand such more, such greater momentum and really takes a lot of the spotlight off of some of the HR issues that they were suffering from a couple quarters ago. Well, uh, look, sorry, sorry, Kirill, I have to go to commercial break, but dude, you're just doing it for us here. You really are. So uh, please stand by, uh, and we're going to talk more with Camilla Lyon about uh, some big consumer names from Nike to Canada Goose right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. So that was a uh, theme song for a Nike commercial, was it, Jack? Long time ago, you asked me what, what song we should put on. I yeah. said, you know what? Uh, yeah, it's an old commercial from Nike, and it's, it shows you just how memorable and powerful those commercials can be and those music so, songs can be. So um, Apple iTunes had a heck of a time getting Beatles songs on iTunes, yet if this is an old song, that means Yoko Ono, I'm assuming, 
Actually, I'm going to guess she has the, the rights to that song. Uh, can, can you imagine negotiating with Yoko Ono? That would not be an easy negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, no, Camilla, Camilla Lyon is, is on the line here. He's in New York City. Uh, he's our analyst. He covers Nike. Uh, he covers Canada Goose, Lululemon. Uh, so we brought you on to talk to you about the Nike story. Good story. But let, let, let's move on. Let, let's go to a couple of iconic Canadian brands um, that are listed in the United States. Lululemon and The Goose. Um kind of hot out there to talk about Canada Goose but uh, you know the stock's been a darling Camillo you, you, you've you covered the stock now for, for some time and you've gotten the story bang on so congratulations to you uh, I'll tell you what catches my attention first and foremost is I I, I, asked, I played a little game with Jack in the studio I said Jack who sells more stuff Canada Goose or Lululemon and uh, I think he said the Goose when in fact it's Lululemon it's like 3 to 1 isn't it Camillo about a billion of Canada Goose sales or 960 million of Canada Goose versus about 3 billion of Lululemon stretchy pants yes Canada Goose is a smaller business today than Lululemon for sure and that's actually part of the allure uh, we think is the brand really starts to expand categorically and geographically well yeah you gotta think like gee whiz what's a bigger category staying warm probably sweating one of those things or stretching uh, i would think staying warm uh, it is, but Lululemon's been on trend for a lot longer than Canada Goose. Canada Goose is an older company. We we both know that. Yeah, well. so here it is. 1957, Canada Goose, uh, Lululemon, founded in 19... Was it 98? Yeah, 1998. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Chip, uh, the founder of Lululemon? Camillo? Chip. Yeah, it was yep, Chip. Chip. It was Chip out in Vancouver, right? Vancouver, yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about the Goose. Uh as winter approaches, and uh, they made a foray into China, correct? And that was isn't that part of the growth story behind it? But t- tell us, you know, why we need to care about the Canada Goose brand this year, and is it still on trend? Well, you know, their their strategy is rooted in technical first, and that's really what I think is going to propel this business uh, for the long term. Um, if I can make an analogy, the one that I like to cite is the Land Rover and Range Rover. So this was a, an automobile company that began, I believe, in the 70s, utilitarian, meant for um, functioning in the jungles, in the deserts, um, in the brush, where other cars could not go. As time progressed, that car became a status symbol. Um, it never left its heritage of technical superiority, but that, technical, that technical superiority became of the fashion. And that's what I think Canada Goose is. Um, they're always going to function first, focus on function first, and drive that uh, warmth element and that safety element. Um, and now that's taken on a whole new fashion component. So that's the combination of those two are very powerful. And we're seeing that in the numbers that they're putting up. And really, when we think about this business and the opportunity that it has, I mean, it really did only $600 billion in sales last year. This is a business that we think can uh, triple um, over the next handful of years, um, particularly as they enter new markets, China being the one that's most exciting, as you just mentioned, they're just scratching the surface there. Well, you know, a couple so, things. Uh, a couple things. Number one, the price of sales in this company is about ten times. Uh, I would say that's expensive. However, Tilray, a marijuana stock that went parabolic this week, trades at seven hundred times sales. So this Canada Goose is all of a sudden it's looking a deal. like a, it's a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> it truly, truly is. Um, but no, I want to talk to you about direct to consumer. Um, because that, that is a bigger, uh, 
buzz that's going on right now uh, in the it's going to be marijuana buzz too. You can be buying direct consumer uh, October seventeenth. Um, but Nike's done it uh, successfully, and Canada Goose is doing it. But uh, you, know, you have to always think because I saw Sony go direct to consumer, and I saw Sony cheese off a lot of its existing retailers right here in Toronto. Uh, Babler Radio used to be a big, big Sony distributor, and they got very, very frustrated and dropped the brand after they went direct to consumer with their own stores. So. The, the year is 2018. The world has changed. Um, how are tra- traditional bricks and mortar and your traditional supply chain reacting to direct-to-consumer, specific well, to Canada Goose? It's a reality that all um, multi-brand retailers and, and department stores have to come to grips with. I mean, it's, uh, they really don't have a say in, in this movement, um, especially when you're talking about very hot brands like Canada Goose. Now, flip that question around. What... What recourse do they have as Goose opens up more of their stores and drives more of their business online? Virtually zero, because this is a product that never goes on sale. It's a $1,000 jacket, so it's an incredibly high ticket for, the, for these wholesale partners. So in reality, they're much more beholden to the brand than vice versa. Yeah, no, it's uh, nice when you have that power. Camillo, just a, just a quick question here for you. Um, do you have any concerns about saturation in the market? Like I see people you know, in, in the autumn, in the winter, um, everyone has a Canada goose now, right? So mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, like, do the kids really want to wear what uh, their parents are wearing? You know, I get that question asked a lot. Um, and I think uh, I'd say two things. One, the management team and specifically Danny Reese, the, the CEO, um, third generation, um, leader of the business started by his grandfather, huh. uh, is incredibly, uh, focused on maintaining the value of the brand. So that means not expanding its distribution and wholesale too much at all um, and really driving the, the overall expansion from the DTC business. But secondarily, if we step back for a second, remember, this is a product that's best used when it's frigid outside. I know that when I'm wearing my coat and it's negative 10 and I'm walking through the snow to the office, I just want to be warm. I don't care if everyone else around me has that coat my main concern, my primary concern, is that I'm warm in the coat that I have on. So I think that takes on a little bit different sort of tone or thought process with respect to saturation because the primary, primary focus and the primary endeavor here is to serve a function, and that function is warmth and protection from the elements. Well, Camilla, we are out of time, but, uh, well, coming up next, we are going to have Bruce Linton on, uh, the founder of uh, Canopy. Um, we're going to be talking to him about, well, about a whole lot of things in the marijuana space, and uh, Rachel Wynott's here as well. She just may pick up a new client as an uh, entrepreneurial coach, shall I say. <laughs> uh, more Hi-Fi Radio coming up right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. Hell, you're going to burn in hell. Die, 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 die. Ah, yes, indeed. It sounds like a video game, actually. It actually was. I think that was from Call of Duty. When Elliot would play that, uh, you'd, you'd hear the sound effect through his headphones. Die, 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 die! <laughs> Elliot, go to bed. You're going mad on me. He went mad. Uh, video game madness. Not reefer madness nonsense. Uh, you know, it's funny. History behind that. 
uh, Reefer Madness, and that uh, gets back down to the pulp and paper industry. Bruce Linton, by the way, is on the line. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce. I'm sure you know the story, but pulp and paper industry created some propaganda because they were afraid of hemp putting pulp and paper out of indus- uh, out of business. Uh, and so they went to the government with some propaganda and said, the world will go mad. Well, Canada may go mad October 17th. I don't think so. Uh, maybe a little more chilled. People may be a little bit late for the odd interview. Aside from that, <coughs> right, Bruce? Um, aside, <laughs> <laughs> aside from that, uh, it's all good. Now, Bruce uh, Linton, Canopy uh, Growth, uh, formerly Tweed, um, who also bought the Hershey Building. Uh, in, is it Smith Bruce? Falls. Smith Falls. Smith Falls. Yeah. I'm surprised Smith Falls isn't better branded. Uh, it's certainly you're going to improve. Well, Bruce is working on that. Well, Naoma BC oh, is yeah. getting. Well, Naoma BC is getting branded right now. I must say that Tilray is unbelievable, eh, Bruce? The action Naomi. on Tilray. The, well, the action on Tilray yesterday. It's it's unbelievable because it seems like it's not actually so much the company as the structure of the trade, right? Like 100. percent There's no paper. There's a supply and demand. There's no float. No, there's no float. float. So if you if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna trade 20 million shares in a day. And you only have two million to trade. It's interesting to me because it, it, it's either the most spectacular trade or the most costly game of hot potato I've ever seen. It is hot potato. You're you're, you're flipping a coin. Um, now let's talk about your spinoff, uh, Canopy River. That's getting a yeah. lot of attention this morning. So congratulations. Uh, please tell us about what that company does and why you uh, removed it from the fold of Canopy itself. So uh, about three years ago, I brought two. Um, banker-type guys into the business to be my internal M&A guys, uh, Sean and Peter. And uh, they've been at uh, CIBC and uh, a hedge fund. And um, what we were looking at is everything that Canopy Growth wanted to own 100% of, and we were doing that analysis. And maybe one out of 10, maybe one out of 20 things we wanted to own at that time 100%. And all the rest, for a variety of reasons, it would either be a minority interest, uh, and, and that would have been distraction. We kept saying no. And so that frustrated us. And we then began to look at a vehicle where we could actually take a minority position in something called Rivers, provide uh, expertise as necessary from growth. And on those ones which we provided expertise so that the, that small business and whatever they were in, in whichever geography could accelerate, we would then have a way that we could acquire back that asset. And for the ones which weren't like that, there'd be just good economic investment. And so we worked on that idea for about another year. And then uh, a little more than a year and a half ago, we started Rivers, uh, Canopy put cash in, and we have a super voting right because we didn't want to have some big tobacco guy or whatever come in and swoop away all these assets. And uh, we spent the first money, and we, it yielded great returns, and then we went out and raised about another 105, 106 million bucks um, a couple months ago and put it in escrow until we would begin trading. And so now that we're trading, we have that cash to deploy, and it's got 11 investments, uh, 10 of them are Canada. We've been looking at stuff now in Europe and South America, and so really what it is, is smart money. Instead of you blowing your brains out installing your first security system or your uh, strategy on HVAC or, 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 uh, we can actually give advisory help and make sure you get what you paid for. And so there's a big lineup of companies that don't want to be in this space that want to work with us. Bruce, the first question, one of the reasons I brought you on the show as well, because so much attention, in fact, Jack and I have gotten a few calls from retail clients saying, hey, by the way, because Jack and I run a discretionary business, so we were able to buy stock on behalf of our clients without involving the client. They sign off on that, and it, it actually works out better for the client. Uh, uh, they tend to make yeah. more money. Um, but they, so they don't always know exactly what they hold. We hold about 50 different names. We communicate a lot with, with our clients uh, through email and the likes, but they don't always know all the positions. So they're calling us saying, do I own any marijuana? And if so, please sell it, because I 
I traveled to America. Um, (laughs) But no, people are getting very, very concerned about that. So I saw you on CNBC, and I'm going to say, I've seen you in media before, Bruce, many times. We've done a lot of work together. You're you're, you're chilled, Um, and not because you're consuming, because I'm sure you're not. Uh, You're you're a chill guy. You're a great guy. But you seemed a little nervous on CNBC. I have to say, I said that to Jack. You seemed a little nervous, and it's it's not the camera that frightened. I was wondering, are you worried about Uncle Sam was going to arrest you as soon as you left the studios? And what's it like for you to travel? You're the Pablo Escobar of marijuana. Uh, so, and apparently, apparently it's really bad. And the, the federal agents at the border don't like guys like you. Lifetime bans are talking about. Lifetime bans. Oh, Even yeah, if I work at a can of cords raising money for these companies, I think I'm guilty. Holy. Yeah, so there's, there's two types of marijuana companies. There's ones which come to Canada and or operate in Canada, but they also use their money to run things in America. And at the federal level in the U.S., it is federally illegal to do anything with cannabis. And the guy at the border, he works for the federal government. And so if you're invested in those, most of which are listed on this thing called the CSE, all of which are generally illegal operations in the U.S., you do have a problem. Now, the reason cannabis is on the New York Stock Exchange, the reason the guy who runs Corona and all the other stuff on Constellation decided they'd like to put $5 billion in us, is everything we do is in full conformance with every federal jurisdiction in which we operate, which means we are not doing anything illegal in America. And so if they didn't like what we're doing, it's just because they may have a bias to marijuana. But if you think it through, when the FDA approves a new drug in America, almost always they rely on data that has come from uh, that drug being federally permissible in another place, whether it's Israel, Czech Republic, wherever. So every pharmaceutical rep, every pharmaceutical company in the world is doing exactly what we would be doing, which means we're operating fully federally legal, doing stuff that's not yet federally legal in America, and we won't till it is. And then if you think guys like Coca-Cola, they, they're they rumored to be investing. Well, who owns, what, 10% of Coca-Cola? Yeah, no, because, so Bruce, I'm going to cut you off, though, because we have to uh, run some yeah. commercials. But I think Warren Buffett is going to get nabbed at the border. Just trust me on that one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right. Coke, but it, Coke invest, Warren's going to jail. You know, it's just one of these things. I think it's a good headline. If it did ever happen, we're fully in legal conformance, and I don't believe that would become a material issue for okay, more okay. than I, I, I read mine. It's time for a pee break. Um, okay. So, okay. <laughs> just, just stand, stand by. We're going to get right back to Bruce Linton, uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire, uh, right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be sunny. Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yes, Narcos, indeed. Um, not quite, but similar. No, not really. Uh, Bruce Linton, uh, founder of Canopy, um, new company that he just spun out, uh, Canopy River, now trading on the exchange. I saw your stock, uh, Canopy River, uh, day one of trading on Thursday. Uh, it looks like it traded as high, just under 12 bucks and as low as 760 Lots of activity, lots of volume, some 13 million shares already trading hands there, Bruce. So uh, congratulations on another... Well, early success. Uh, look, Ra- Rachel Wynott's uh, in the studio. Jack had to uh, leave, so uh, Rachel Wynott has joined us. I she, am she, here. And she does some work with you, but I'll tell you what caught her attention, Bruce, uh, and it was her, not I, is your uh, 
your 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 lotions and potions known as Foria. I, I think it's pot. The, the new the new buzzword on on, C, on CNBC is Potphoria. Yesterday when I watched it, and they're oh, talking yeah. about Tilray. They're saying Potphoria is taking place. But you've come out. You're ahead of the curve again, Bruce. Tell me what, what is what, what is the Foria brand? What is this product? Because Rachel's excited. Well, it, it lands in a category. So I think we're all enough, old enough to talk about reality. And I have a lot of young people with work, that work with me. So I said, folks, you got to focus on the three primary things. As you get older, you get richer, but that also means you sleep less well. It means that you get fatter and that sex is something that is a topic you remember fondly and seek more of, but it doesn't always happen. Oh, yeah. And so if, <laughs> if we can have products that answer any or all of those, that's called a home run. Oh, yeah. You and are helping so, women all over. <laughs> is, so so what, what is the product for you? Describe so the, point the product. Of Floria is, Floria is a uh, cannabis and other uh, liquids, oils. Uh, mixture, which uh, is intended to be applied prior to sex, I think about 15, 20 minutes before, on the female uh, in the genitalia area, and it is intended to both provide a lubricant and a stimulant. And there is no scientific claims, which I can tell you uh, have been made, but uh, by reports back, it appears to be a very uh, well-received product. And the idea is that as um, you know, people go through uh, perimenopause, menopause, um, there's a, an opportunity to sort of resolve a bunch of topics that go from absence of enjoyment, stimulation, to pain. And so Foria fits into this category that appears pretty well aimed to make it so that, um, you know, uh, you'll enjoy sex, we hope, more. And that um, often what happens is if the female in the house says cannabis is okay in the house, that's kind of like a green light across a bunch of categories. Mm -hmm. And we think that that is an important gateway decision. And so all of that results in Foria as a brand, and there's a variety of other products that we wish to release that kind of go to that whole point and purpose. That is a big brand, I believe, and you're helping women, but not only women, you're helping relationships foster, and that is big, especially in terms of marketing and sales, definitely. Yeah, and so, you you know, you can't make claims until you run the race, but we've begun in Canopy to do uh, clinical trials uh, against sleep, and we got approved for um, no objection to begin trials for uh, dogs with anxiety. And so we think that there's a lot of science to be done, but when you actually run the race, if things work, um, and you can show in what dosage, what time frame, how to use it, I think there's a very receptive market that says maybe things that come from a plant get sophisticated through a process. Maybe they blend with other pharmaceuticals, but... Uh, there's a pretty receptive world out there for better answers. Bruce, I, I saw a company uh, present in our office. Acreage is the name of the company. Um, and they're exclusive. If, again, I think it's the right company, Acreage. Uh, they're exclusively focused on the CBD market. Um, and they have two divisions, one for people and one for pets. And you brought up a good point about uh, scientific evidence. Because they're launching all these lotions and potions without a whole lot of efficacy behind them. Yeah. And, and, and so hence my skepticism. I, mean, I have to be skeptical I, on behalf of my clients. That's my job is to be a skeptic. So I have to be very skeptical when I see lack of efficacy. Can, can you speak to that point? Uh, does the oh, product I, work? I, I, Rachel, I have you, and Rachel, have you tried the four-year product? I, I was just going to say that. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm intending to, definitely. Okay, you're going to get back <laughs> and let me know how that is. I will. But so let's talk about efficacy four, of, four of, of, of the pet, of the pet items. Uh, you know, when, when I want to get some lotion for Bobo, uh, <laughs> what's it going to do? How, how do I know if it works? It's not going to get him high. It's CBD, yeah. right? I understand for, for his hip displacement. Well, or, I, don't know. I think your, your skepticism is well-placed um, in that um, I've seen so many different containers, as you call them, lotions and potions, with dosages that are all over the map and claims that are all over the map. And do you need to use it once a day, 10 times a day, every day, for a week? 
So um, I think what's going to happen is um, we're going to run the science, and we're going to run it against dogs and humans. And if it works, we'll tell you when, how, and how much. And so my big risk is that the skepticism generated by the people who didn't do the science diminishes uh, the market for a bit. But then once we show the science, maybe it will come back quite rapidly. Well, that, that's interesting because you're seeing a lot of talk now about the science because as the product gets legal, they can now do science on the product. And that's one of the reasons why Tilray stock um, had a wonderful move up uh, because they got approval uh, to, to import product, i.e. leaf or, or flower, excuse me, into the University of California for an ET study. Um, I can't remember what the acronym stands for ET, but it's got something to do with tension and, and not being able to chill out. So it, it helps you chill. I think oh, we, we get, get twitches as you get older. It, it chills out the twitches, apparently. So. Anxiety twitches. Yeah, yeah, little anxiety twitches. Yeah, I get so those. there's, there's <laughs> going to be efficacy, efficacy on that, uh, which I think is going to be very, very helpful. So I do think as time unfolds and we see more science done by companies like Canopy, uh, it's certainly going to, I think, open up additional avenues of opportunity. Uh-huh. Correct? Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Like, we're the first one approved to do animal clinical studies in Canada, second in the world. We've got clinical trials approved for sleep and a variety of other indications. We've got trials now set up to go in the UK yeah. that we're working through the final approvals. At the end of the day, people will say, well, there's no medical evidence this works. And I will remind them that organized crime and criminals generally don't fund those sorts of studies. You need large corporate platforms that actually have a view into the future, and they try to make sure they have a stable New product isn't that, that interesting? Okay. You know, you know, stock I've been looking at for some time. It's a company called Charles River Labs. You know what they do, Bruce? Nope. They make rats for guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more, more, more coming on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, stay well. tuned right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. Bruce, when you got into the space of cannabis, did you feel at all like you had to run like a fugitive? Any parts of the world, specifically America? No, what I felt was that, um, at least for the first couple of years, um, most people felt this was a very poor decision on my part because I had, you know, and still do quite a bit of activity in the tech world, right? Like last week, I took the tech company I've been running for the last six years until December, and I'm the co-chair, a thing called Martello. I took it public. And so if you're, if you're somebody who hangs around with a lot of computer scientists and, and money from that world, uh, starting a marijuana company makes a lot of people wonder if you've lost your senses. <laughs> uh, and, and in the early days, when you were trying to raise capital, for the most part, it was, it was, it was borderline impossible. I bet. Um, but you find ways. And so I would say that that stigma has diminished to the point now when I go to um, events, it's kind of like, okay, can we talk about something other than cannabis? And I mean, like, I can be at a really fancy fundraiser for a big hospital, and I'm be cornered by, like, the wife of the head of the hospital who's saying, I can hardly wait to buy Tweed product on October 17th. You know, and this is, like, much to the chagrin of the, the you know, the fancy head of the hospital um, because it's just a thing that everybody wants to talk about. 
Yeah, no, you, you, you must be a rock star. I, I, I get it. Back in dot-com era, stockbrokers were always surrounded by, at a party. I'll tell you what does scare me is the space, from, from an investment point of view, there's not a lot of institutional um, participation yet, meaning mutual funds, uh, the pensions. They're not buying the stocks yet. Uh, it is dominated by retail. Over 90% of, of, of shares held is by retail, um, which, which adds a whole well, other element of challenge to the volatility, shall I say. Uh, but I think I, I over- think that's true uh, and changed quite a lot across other places. So, like in June, we raised six hundred million dollars in what's called a convertible debenture. So, really, it's essentially a debt instrument that we have the option to convert to a stock, but we can also stop it. Yeah, six hundred million. We placed more than ninety percent of that in U.S. and European institutional hands, and they're all the biggest names of institution you've ever seen. Yeah, good for you. And so, um, I would say that um, a majority of the marijuana stocks will not be names you know in five years because they're retail. And Canopy, I suspect, will be one you do know because it actually has a depth of changed investor, which represents the fact that we, as a company, have created something that's not the same as a press release. It's called a real platform with real business and real IP developing. Well, yeah, it's funny because you and I spoke about beverages in the beverage market uh, probably about six months ago. And lo and behold, um, you, you know, big big stake taken up that's by Constellation, huge. but more importantly, the beer business. Was it Molson snooping around? Uh, Afria, I, I believe, was, was the uh, rumor. Anyway, uh, Hexo. I, I Af- Hexo is Molson did a JV. Um, you know, when, when they these guys have worked with us for two years, no one has worked with us for two years at uh, Constellation. They run the Corona and a bunch of beverages. Mm-hmm. And so when they decide they'd like to pay about $5 billion Canadian for about 24% of the company, I suspect that that was a reasonably informed decision. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I don't know. Um, I would look at where smart money with lots of information makes decisions and think that that might not be a bad follow Fair enough. But I want to go back to Bruce, because, again, the, the, it still is front and center. Uh we won't be able to buy in-store brick-and-mortar in Ontario for six months. Therefore, everything is being purchased online uh, if you're going to yeah. buy legal. Uh, and I think people are going to continue to use their existing suppliers, shall I say, for that six-month window. But what do I know? But my point is uh, customs, America. So if I am a shareholder or if Rachel, why not uh, buy stock? In fact, you own, Which some, I do. You own yeah, stock. I do. Right, so, Rachel, are you worried about going across the border? Because when they ask you, by the way, do you own it? You're Canadian. Oh, big flag. No. You're, you're a bad hombre. Uh, so we'll, we'll say the customs officer. Do you own marijuana stocks? What are you going to say to them? Um, I would probably say, yeah, I do. You'd be honest. Pre- yeah. uh, Justin Trudeau suggests be honest. Yeah. So, so uh, Bruce, will Rachel be allowed into America if she <laughs> says to the customs officer, yes, I own cool. some I own some weed, canopy growth? He's going to lock me up. I, I, I hope she doesn't own the ones which I described earlier, which are raising money in Canada and deploying it in the U.S. where it's illegal. Right. I own canopy. That is, that is not smart. But if you say I own the only ones traded on the NAS- New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ Stock Exchange, those two entities have three stocks on them, all of which are in compliance with the federal laws in the U.S. I don't think your answer to that is going to cause you any grief because you're not breaking any federal laws. Right. That said, um, I've crossed the border, I don't know, 500 times in my life. Uh, I have not encountered anybody asking me what stocks I own. And when I go across the border and they understand that I work for Canopy, you know where I get slowed down? Is yeah. almost always... Coming back into I Canada. that. No, when I'm crossing, and then I describe that I do this, and we're on the New York Stock Exchange and what we do, these guys all have what's called a 401k, (laughs) like an RFP. And before you know it, they're asking me, so, like, I can buy your stock, how? And will my broker let me buy your stock? I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you know, the conversation, we're all people, if you're following the federal laws and you're on the New York Stock Exchange and, you know, Constellation's invested, 
and they can understand this is not some dude who's got a puffy coat or some guy crossing the border to invest in U.S. state operations. They quickly talk about the 401k and how do I make my yield better. Yeah, so by the way, for those who don't know, a 401k is the American equivalent to an RRSP. So, these, so Bruce is telling us that these border agents, uh, as, as much as they're trying to protect homeland security, they're also trying to protect their own family oh, yeah. and make, some, make some money on the wee for <laughs> yeah. madness of it all. Um, remember, you guys, when you look at it, you should look at a stock you buy and say, is it traded on the CSE? If it is, then you do do more digging. Because that's a Canadian stock exchange, by the way, folks. That, that, right. that, that's a, it's a level right. below the TSX, right. which is the Toronto right. Stock and Exchange. There's, there's a high probability that they are conducting U.S.-based activities, which I don't judge whether or not it's legal or not. I'll tell you that it is illegal federally to do that. Right. And so if you're buying stocks on that one and you say, well, I own acreage or whatever, those guys are good guys. But what they're doing is raising money in Canada to go to the U.S. to run businesses that they couldn't raise money in the U.S. for. Oh, and so that is not... Oh, that, that is the mm. challenge that Canada has because you can't raise on NASDAQ if you do what they do, but you can come to the CSE. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, Bruce, uh, you're a busy man. I really appreciate you I taking... I better get going, man. Yeah, you got to get going, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate man. your time. And uh, hey, as always, uh, keep your stick on the ice and uh, we'll talk more about that four-year product when I get some, uh, uh, what's the word, efficacy uh, from Rachel Wynott okay. oh, yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. Full, full report. <laughs> <laughs> do next time. Indeed. Uh, okay. Rachel Wynott, thanks for filling in for Jack Hartle uh, for the half of the show. Um it's a real treat to have you yes, in studio. You. I, I wish you great success with uh, Founder Freedom. Uh, if you. someone wants to, by the way, take your online course, the website is founderfreedom.com. RachelWhyNot.com and Founder Freedom is, will be listed on there. RachelWhyNot.com. Which, and you spell why not. W-H-Y-N-O-T. Oh, exactly. It's, it's oh, yeah. phonetically perfect. That makes and it it's easier. A, it's a real last name, by the way. It is a real last yep. name, yep. A lot of people say, Wolfgang, is that your real name? I used to I get that as a little kid all the time. Yes, it's my real name. I know. When we make reservations, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, look, I want to wish you all a great weekend. I want to thank you for tuning in to Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. It's Jack and I's job to help you make a little bit more moolah and uh, protect your money each and every week. So please stay tuned. Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.